that time. Good to see everybody tonight. Thank you for being here. We, and I know some of y'all are here from Meg's class, so thank you. Uh, actually, that's good and bad. We, last time we met, some of you are like, I don't remember, that was a year ago, but it was last year. Uh, we, we looked at a modern parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you weren't here last Wednesday night to see that modern parable of Good Samaritan, then you can enjoy the class, but you'll just have to think about the Good Samaritan from the Bible. But I'll be asking some specific questions tonight about the Good Samaritan. So I called my lesson tonight, Revisiting the Good Samaritan, and we'll talk a little about, for those of you, how many of y'all saw the, saw the modern-day parable of the Good Samaritan, several, a few? Okay. So, if you're interested, we'll try to make that available in the church library. We do have that DVD series, Modern Day Parables, and uh, I'll be bringing up some scenes in that modern parable that we saw last week. So, we, we mentioned at the beginning of class a week ago that there was a woman called Shakira from... New York. This was on CNN. It was a true story during the blizzard where she heard a man yelling. She went outside. Anybody see the story? Just me? Oh, me and Paulette. Oh, three. Okay. Anyway, she heard a man yelling, and he had apparently suffered from extreme uh, frostbite and probably would have died had she not done anything. It turns out that he was a disabled man who had uh, some, I guess he was disabled and had had some thinking challenges he had a he had a job at a theater but he went to work thinking he was supposed to work they weren't open that day so he walked home got disoriented and was basically in the snow almost dead she goes out and rescues him brings him in tries to treat his frostbit hands and he's not doing too well and she um She called 911, the fire department, National Guard. Because of the blizzard conditions, none of them could come to her house. She had to get him medical attention, so she turned to Facebook live stream and was pleading, anybody that's got a plow or can four-wheel drive that can drive here, here's my address. This man needs to go to the hospital. So she um, went that extra mile and is a modern-day Good Samaritan who helped him. And it was encouraging to see this kind of story because you don't hear too many stories about that now unfortunately, especially on media, but she showed compassion to a stranger she'd never met. Had she not done anything, he probably would have died, and she took a real interest in his well-being and his safety and certainly went the extra mile, and so we're called to be that person. You know, in Matthew 25, and Jesus tells uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats, he, he talks about, um, you did it to me, and when they said, well, when did we do these things to you when you did it the least of these my brethren. So one of the questions I want to start off tonight when it comes to good Samaritans or getting involved or helping the needy, uh, what is some things that maybe prevent us from doing those things we need to do to being more involved in the, in the lives of the hurting? Anybody? What do you think? I've got Will back here with a microphone, so just shout out your answer or tell us. What prevents us from being that good Samaritan? Okay, putting the burden on 
Somebody else, somebody else. So sure, I, I always remember your story of the flat tire near Ashton City. And how many cars do you think passed you, Lisa? Hundreds. Somebody else will stop. Somebody else will. Okay. Yes, Dennis. Sometimes these people acting like they need help are not not really needing help. They're trying to to get you. It's like a ruse, or it's, they're they're laying a trap for you. That does happen on occasions where somebody appears to be stranded, but they're not. They just want to beat you in the head and take your money or car. So we're we're suspect that they may not be a legitimate good Samaritan. They're putting on a show. That's it could happen. Yeah, possible. All right. Anybody else? Times have changed. Yeah. 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 Thumb a ride. Yeah. So people stopped back then. Times have changed. All right, Ron? Sometimes we don't know how to help. I, I saw a guy at the gas station today just kind of looked down on his luck, but he was just kind of sitting there loitering around, you know. I was like, should I give this guy money, or if I do, what's he going to do with it? Yeah. You know, it just he wasn't asking for help. He just, just to me, he kind of looked like he he could use some. So I He just kind of looked that way, yeah. right? I think, and you talk to people who run, run like, rescue missions and things like that, and they kind of tell you, you know, like giving money is – not always the best thing or the right thing right. to do for right. people in situations like that. So to answer your question, sometimes we just don't know what to do exactly. Yeah, I think money, which which is convenient for us, money often ends up in beer, cigarettes, or drugs. Let's just be honest for people on the street. So there's probably better options than just giving cash to people. Uh, some people that I've talked to will buy a gift card to McDonald's. You know, and they can buy a meal. So that's not a bad option. And generally, where those people tend to be that are asking for help are pretty close to McDonald's. They're just the logistics or geography. But that may be an option rather than giving cash, buy some gift cards. Another thing that uh, Glenn Shipman has advocated for a long time is just pick up some of the homeless bags that we keep pre-made up here in the foyer, and you can keep those in your car. He was talking about um, that that they can reach in the back seat, you know, in a little box, and just pull one, and it's pretty easy to give out that way. So think about that. That's not a bad idea, and, the, and we appreciate Shannon coordinating that, the gift bags for the homeless. All right? Barriers to being a good Samaritan, reasons we don't help. We've mentioned a few anymore. Do you need help? Okay. Yeah. Right. So it's it's better to ask than to assume you can't do anything because there may be a legitimate need. Okay. There was an elder at the Church Christ at Jolton. He, he, he's dead and gone now. All right. This man supposedly needed to get to East Tennessee or wherever. Okay. 
He offered to carry him to the gas station, fill up his gas tank. That wasn't good enough. He wanted the money. The money. Show me the money. So, what do you do in a case like that? I personally don't give cash. I just don't. There's other things we can do to help people. So, you... Yes. Right. Find, yeah. Find reputable organizations to yes. donate to and help. I know the twins are working with YAPAC, and they're taking and doing different things that way. And that Say way, that again. Know, is YAPAC? YAPAC. Mm-hmm. But there are other organizations that you can help, and then they distribute things. Yes. They let people come in just shop yeah. like... It's a store, but they don't have to pay anything. Yeah, one of the things that we're going to talk about as we wrap up class tonight on this topic of Good Samaritan and modern-day application is there's lots of good, reputable organizations that you can donate or, or volunteer your time. You could, be a, you, know, you could serve at like Lowe's and Fishes or one of the food banks in, in Clarksville or places that minister or serve the homeless. You could be a volunteer at... At Urban Ministries in Clarksville, there's lots of... YAPAC is another good one who's vetted. And, yeah, The Well is another great, you know, uh, organization that is... That's, the administrating congregation is is uh, Trenton Crossing, but, yeah, they do a lot of outreach in, in Clarksville. Adam? Yes, sir. I think you touched on something that's time. Are we too busy to stop and help them? Because if I do stop to help him, that's going to require my time. Ooh, you have to get personally involved, don't you? I mean, that's, that takes some dedication. Yeah, it, it does. It does. All right, anybody else? Those are all real good reasons. Some of them are very legitimate reasons why we may be hesitant to get involved or help someone. It's certainly going to be inconvenient. Uh, it's certainly going to cost us either financially or certainly will cost us in time. There's a certain risk involved. And if you're a woman in particular and you're by yourself, you don't want to all of a sudden make yourself available to some stranger and, and put yourself in harm's way. So you have to be wise. You have to be discerning. But still, we, we know we need to reach out and help others. So I want to ask some questions now. I'm shifting gears about the, the modern-day video that we saw last Wednesday night about the Good Samaritan. So the very beginning of this modern-day video is a man who's laying on the ground, and he's an elderly gentleman who's obviously been beaten, right? Remember the video? All right, so you got to be detective here. What do we know about this gentleman who's laying on the ground in the first scene where the camera starts to pan out a little bit, and you can see him laying on the ground, and his personal effects are around him. What do we know about him? Okay, we know a few things, actually, about him. He's a grandfather. The, the director of that video intentionally put things. He put a card from his granddaughter, and so we know he's a grandfather. And what kind of shoes does he have? Black dress shoes. They were very nice shoes. Okay. What else was uh, laying next to him? 
No, 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 it was just him. It was a bus ticket. He had a suitcase. He was traveling. He had a bus ticket. Um, I can't remember. He didn't have a tie, but he had a dress shirt, uh, wearing nice trousers, shoes. We know he's a grandfather. He has a home. He has, a, he has children. He has grandchildren. So this is not a homeless man, right, on the side of the street who's needing a handout. That makes sense? Y'all understand where I'm coming from? This is a man who was on a legitimate trip. He had already purchased his ticket. He was waiting to catch the bus. It had apparently been beaten and robbed. He had family. He had, he had means. Uh, he was just the victim of a crime where somebody had beaten him. In the next scene, he gets up and very, uh, with great difficulty, walks around to a main street and then slides down and sort of collapses in front of a, a business and then the next scene, we see a man pull up in, a, I think it was a Mercedes-Benz, a really very nice car, leather interior. Uh, and who knows what this man's profession was that was driving? Who? A, he's a doctor. How do we know that? He was going to the hospital. Yeah, he was a medical doctor, right? And he had a busy schedule. He got a call from somebody about a consult with some other physicians. I'm not going to be making it. I'm busy. He was angry at his son. He was frustrated. His son was trying to get something out of the car, and he said, you're going to scratch the upholstery, quit it, get out, and go around. So the son immediately recognizes this man laying in the street uh, or next to the street. Um, So... When the son says, Dad, I think that man is bleeding, what did the medical doctor say? He looked over and said what? Yeah, well, that happens when you're drunk. You fall and, you know, bruise yourself or you have contusions. He's obviously drunk. That's what alcohol does to you. Now, was this elderly man drunk? No, he wasn't a wino. He wasn't drunk. Dennis? That's the reason why I said nothing a while ago because... I used to work close to the rescue mission up there, and I've seen people that look just like him. Yes, were there because they were drunk, right? But that man, you couldn't tell mm-hmm. whether he was legitimate, legitimately needing help, or he's done that to himself, right? But uh, evidently, he hadn't. He was robbed. Yeah, know? it's it's okay. I will give you this. It was easy to make an assumption. He was probably an alcoholic or drunk, and had passed out and hit his head, right? Pretty easy to make that assumption, which the medical doctor did, right? Now, Lisa, I want to go back to something you said. What did you say earlier when you talked a moment ago? He made an oath, and he was he supposed to have gotten out of that car and helped. But he was... But what he he just didn't take time to ask. Too busy, right? Yes. Busy, busy, busy. Now, here's a real interesting spin. I don't know if you guys caught this. His son was getting ready to do what? Who? What? His son was going to go on a church trip, right? 
And his son had problems with his eyes. Yes? And so the dad took the time, as frustrated as he was with his teenage son, he says, okay, son, now remember how many drops? Two drops. You know, and, and by the way, the deacons think that the youth minister is doing a great job. Uh, let him know the deacons appreciate him. So this guy may have been a deacon in the local church, right? Church leader. He, he was a religious man, but he was very busy and frustrated, and already his schedule was just packed. He made an assumption. He didn't follow the Hippocratic Oath, as he should have as a medical doctor, and go check on this guy. He just said he's drunk. That's what happens to drunk people. Well, the man wasn't drunk. He'd been beaten. So the boy reluctantly goes, okay, Dad. The dad hands him money. How much? $100 bill, right? And, and the guy goes on his way. He doesn't stop. He represents the first person in the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? The religious man who had every opportunity to help but chose not to, right? He avoided him, all right? Now, who's the second person in the Good Samaritan parable in the modern day parable that we watched on the DVD? Who's the second, second man? No. It's the, the older friend of the boys. He looked like he was 30. I, he I was the he was youth minister. <laughs> he was a youth minister, right? And, and so remember the guys that are walking down the sidewalk? They meet up with the, with the doctor's son, and one of them was talking about the sports. He wanted to find out the score, and he ran and got a newspaper, and they were going to go eat breakfast, and, hey, here's some money my dad gave me. I'm supposed to buy you breakfast. And so now he's got, I think, three kids that he's responsible for, and they're going to eat. So how convenient is it for him to break loose and take care of this injured man? He's a youth minister. He's got three kids, you know. How would the parents feel if he said, well, we had, a, we had a, a little diversion. I had to stop and take care of someone who was on the side of this. Parents are like, you did what? These are my kids. They're your first priority. So was he legitimately a busy guy? Yeah? Yeah, of course he was. However, he at least stopped and knelt down and said, Sir, sir, can, is there anything we can do for you? Can we help you? And how did the elderly man that had been beaten respond? <laughs> that was pretty good, Sean. He kind of groaned, didn't he? He didn't say anything. He just groaned. So he's been beaten up. He's about to pass out. All right, now, who comes along? The cab driver, right? He's been sitting there the whole time reading his Arabic newspaper. Why? Is it Arabic? Because he's from Iran, right? And we love Iranians, don't we, in America? Especially post 9-11. There are heroes Right? By the way, this was filmed in around 2006. Still pretty fresh for what happened in the World Trade Center. So an Iranian cab driver reading an Arabic newspaper folds his paper, 
runs over to the man, gets his first aid kit, renders care. As he's going back to the taxi to get more water or something, a guy goes, hey, hey, I need a ride, I need a ride. So what does he say? I'm busy, I'm busy, I can't help you. He just lost that fare because he's rendering care to the man. He said, I will help you, my friend. He helps the man to his feet, loads him in the back of the taxi, takes him to the uh, hospital or at least some kind of medical facility. All right, why do you think in this modern-day parable, this is, an, this is a, a cab driver from Iran reading an Arabic newspaper, smoking a cigarette. He looks kind of rough and got a scraggly beard. Why do you think they picked that man to play a role in this parable? Because that would be, I mean, in 21st century America, especially at that time, that would be the equivalent of what a lot of people think of as the Samaritan of the first century. Right. Ain't right, but that's what the perception would have been. Yeah. Iranians in modern-day American culture, people we love to hate, right? They're all our enemy. They're all cruel, mean people, and they want to explode and kill us all with bombs, right? Wrong. This, uh, this man from Iran, obviously a Middle Easterner, uh, was kind and compassionate, went out of his way, and, and did all the things that we would not expect an Arabic person to do. Right. So he drives this man to the hospital, sits in the waiting room, and you remember what happened next? They pan over to the security guard. (laughs) You remember what the security guard did? He glared at the man sitting in the waiting room because he was Iranian. Again, the, the message is hated by American culture what they did to us in 9-11, right? I think they did a good job at sort of matching up a modern-day Samaritan. So this man, um, this Arabic driver who was chosen to play the role of the Good Samaritan, says, uh, how is he doing? Can I go back and see him? Yes, we're going we're gonna to keep him overnight and observe him, but we'll, we'll transfer him to the regular hospital. Uh, the security guard at the hospital is glaring at this man. He's hated. He shouldn't be doing nice things for us because he's our enemy. So a lot of good parallels there in the story. So at the very end, as the man is being wheeled out of the hospital in a wheelchair, who sees the good Samaritan and the elderly man at the elevator? Ah, the little boy. All along, the little boy's conscience was pricked because nothing was ever done, right? And now he sees the cab driver pushing the wheelchair. He follows them out into the foyer, and he sees the the Iranian cab driver helping the elderly man get in the back of the car, right? He's intrigued. He wants to see what's happening. And two things I thought were interesting as they close this parable that are significant. One, as the elderly man is standing up and starting to pivot to sit in the back of the cab, what happens? Who can remember? Say again. 
He gave him a hug, right? And the young man, the teenager who was back from his church activity, he's like watching this just fixed, just mesmerized at at this scene of love and uh, compassion. And the elderly man gives him a hug. And I think there's interesting that agape love breaks down all barriers, doesn't it? Where an elderly guy who is a veteran, remember his veteran's cap at the beginning of the, of the parable when he was laying on the ground? A veteran, American veteran, probably World War II veteran or Vietnam, gives this Iranian guy a hug because he showed unconditional love. Very interesting. And the last thing, which is very symbolic, I don't know if anybody remembers, what did the little boy do just as they were getting into the cab? Anybody pick up on this? The sun started shining very brightly, and he covered his face because of the brightness of the sun. And you hear what seems to be an angelic chorus singing in the background, right? There's a lot of symbolism there because the point is this. This little young man has just observed unconditional love that is pleasing to the Father and a perfect fulfillment of the Good Samaritan parable. He has seen the love of a man and he's letting his light shine brightly. All right, I don't know if anybody picked up on that. It's intentionally put there at the end of this parable. We should be letting our light shine brightly as well by showing unexpected compassion and love toward the helpless. So if we're too busy, if we're too important, if we've got too many responsibilities, maybe it's time for us to slow down and say, Lord, speak to me and let me know what I can do to make a difference. Help me be that good Samaritan and act in unexpected ways. Maybe I'm too busy. Maybe I, need, maybe I need to rethink priorities. Maybe I need to slow down and glorify you and honor you intentionally, just like this man did who was a taxi cab driver. And let the love of Jesus be seen in me. All right, that was my eight points I wanted to make about the parable found it very interesting and intriguing. So now is in our remaining time. We've got about 15 minutes. I just want to read some scriptures. This is sort of our bring it all together, wrap it up, tie it up, apply scripture to this so we can understand what the Bible says. Um, So I'm just going to ask for readers. Mark 10, verse 21. Who can read that for me? All right, I got Roy. I'm going to keep you busy, so you're getting your steps in. Mark ten twenty one. Next one is, if anybody wants to grab it, is 1 John 3, 16 through 18. Who wants to read that? Brian, can I tag you? 1 John 3, 16 and 18. All right? Mark 10, 21. 10, 21. Yes, sir. Then Jesus, looking, up, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, Give it to the poor, and you will have you will have treasure in heaven. 
and come take up your cross and follow me. All right. So the man gladly gave all the way, all the way, he, away all he had. Is that correct? He did not. He did. The one you just read about. He was sorrowful. So his treasures prevented him from being a disciple of Christ. Is it possible that we're so busy chasing material things that we're not taking the time to be humble and serve others? What do you think? Yeah. Suzanne's nodding her head. You guys are like, I don't know. Don't look at me. Yes. The answer is yes. In the United States of America, we are rich. Hello? We are rich people. We have a lot of stuff. Go look in your refrigerators and your closets. Yes, we are rich. And so we need to think about our duty, our obligation to help serve others. All right, who has 1 John 3? All right, Brian, thank you. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So sometimes we might be inclined to say, oh, oh I'm so sorry about that. I'll pray for you. God bless you. Hope, hope you have a good day. And we're on our way. You know, we're just too busy. So in, uh, in James chapter 2, can somebody read that for me? James 2 verse 14 through 15. Who wants to read that? All right. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? All right, drop down to 20. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? All right, faith without deeds is useless. In other words, God is saying you claim to be a child of God, you claim to be saved, show it in your life. Show it by sharing and doing and pleasing me. By giving away those things that you can. Uh, James chapter 2, I'm sorry, uh, John, Gospel of John 13, verse 34. Somebody read that. Roy, all right, down here. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. All right. Thank you. I think that, isn't that the song, love one another, for love is our love? All right. It's a great, great song. All right. Do you have a comment? All right, wonderful. He's ready. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Thank you. 
Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. So, all right, let's take that passage and look at the three people in the modern-day parable. How about the medical doctor? How did he do? No? Was the youth minister any better? He sort of took a stab at it, didn't he? I wasn't here. Oh, yeah, at least he asked. Sorry, sorry, Ron. By the way, you need to. We'll put that in the library, and you can look at it. But the third, the third person, the Samaritan, the modern day Good Samaritan, he fulfilled all of those things that we just read about in uh, Philippians two three. He actually went the extra mile and got involved and did what he needed to do to share his own personal resources and give up revenue for a period of time. He even made an effort to come back the next day and pick up this man from the hospital. And we don't know where he took him. He might have taken him back to the bus station. He might have let him recuperate in a hotel room. We don't know, but he was there. All right? First John chapter 4, 7. Who would like to read that? Roy? First John chapter 4, verse 7. And Brian, can I get you to read one more? First John 4, 19. First John 4, 19. Beloved, let us love one another, for, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not love God, for God is love. In this love, God was manifested toward us, that God was sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. In his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to, to be the perpetuation for our sins. Yep. Beloved, if God, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Wow. Now, that's the first John 4 is where the song comes from, love one another. God is love. Yeah, great. Great song, by the way. All right. And same chapter, verse... 19. We love him because he first loved us. All right. So Jesus says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you shall, what's he say? Love one another. Love one another. So loving one another, especially reaching out to those who are hurting, um, even if they look like they may be winos on the side of the road. Mm. How can we do a better job as a church? What do you think? Let's come up with some ideas. Let's, let's discuss that for just a few minutes. Let's come up with a quick list of ways we can improve being better good Samaritans. And you go up to them, and then they realize that, you might turn them to the church. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, winos have been converted into productive, stable citizens in our community by someone who gets involved. It's hard. It's messy to get involved in the lives of people who've kind of wrecked their lives. It's it's just, you know, there's a lot of people that wouldn't be willing to go down that path and get that involved. But that's I, I keep going back to the passage where the sheep and the goats are separated, and Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Well, what does the least of these really mean? The winos, the prostitutes, the drug addicts, those in prison, those that society, mm, nah, I, I just, I help people, I help a neighbor that I know, but I'm not going to get involved in that one. Too much risk involved. That's, I think it's the least of these. It's those who are pretty destitute and having trouble. All right? Yes, sir, Sean? You kind of have to be like the type of person that's not going to get taken advantage of, you know. If yeah. you hope you have to be pretty confident in yourself to help somebody that's, you know, that's needy, you know, because I mean, I was just saying. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you do have to be careful. We mentioned that before. When you get involved and you want to be a good Samaritan and help people, you you got to be careful. Recently, I helped a man um, with a flat tire. He was in the was in the post office. It was funny. He ended up being a member of the church, and he he came to services the next day. He was sitting, I think, right here during worship, but. I knew he wasn't putting on a ruse because his tire was flatter than a pancake. And when I drove by, he was just sitting there, and I'm like, okay, he's sort of an elderly guy. He was in his 70s, and his tire's flat. I think he really needs help. So I went and said, hey, can I help you? (laughs) So, you know, in that case, I was pretty confident we could help him out. All right, anyone else? that are doing things to children and other people that they don't need to be doing. And you look at them and you think they're good people. And they're deceit. They're just in a, a deceitful. I mean, they're wrong. Absolutely. And, you know, Lisa, if, if I may, I want to add a point I think is important. Sometimes men in the congregation feel bad because they don't get up and take a role in in public service. They're maybe mortified, terrified of reading or praying or whatever. They just don't want to do it. But yet, they could be a great warrior for God by doing all of these wonderful things behind the scenes that we don't ever know about, you know? Quiet servants who just glorify God and minister and do good things. They work with their hands. They work behind the scenes. You know, they may not be up here... Well, let's just be honest. They may not be putting on a show by praying, you know, and impressing people, but they're doing a lot behind the scenes that God knows about. So, And God knows. That's all God that matters. God knows. Yes, You're he not does. supposed to go out here and broadcast everything. We're supposed everything. to do it in secret, aren't we? Right. So be careful. He, he knows. It, it doesn't matter who else in the church knows. Be careful to maybe shower praise on people that do things that are more public, that may be corrupt. And neglect people who do things privately that we never know about that could be doing wonderful things for his kingdom. So 
again, God, God knows our hearts. God knows what we do. And uh, whatever your talent is, do it. By all means, do it. All right? And, and then after you, uh, Ryan, I think, Darlene, you had a comment? Okay. I guess I just have a question. I'm sitting here thinking about the story of the Good Samaritan. The victim of the story was somebody who was minding on his own business and really did nothing to bring on his hardship. That is correct. You know, we've talked a lot tonight about seeing people homeless on side street, down their luck, you know, and you start off the discussion tonight by asking the question, you know, what, what sometimes prevents us from helping somebody like that? You know, and, and let's, let's be real honest with ourselves. I think a lot of times we are very skeptical I think Dennis, Dennis mentioned, you know, some people are out there trying to take advantage of other people. You know, we're, you're, you're skeptical of what did that person do to put themselves in that position? Was it a series of bad decisions after another? I mean, if that person is legitimately homeless, yep. did what caused the homelessness? Did they lose their job? Do they have a gambling problem? Do they have a drinking problem? Do they have a drug problem? You know, so I, I guess my question is, if we look at this story of the Good Samaritan, I think it's easy for us to help somebody who is in a hardship that they did nothing wrong, right? Yes. That they did nothing wrong, you know, this, yeah. uh, a ha- house fire took, took all their possessions. Right. Um, what about the person who just cannot get out of their own way? Yeah, they're fighting demons and maybe drug addicted or the downward spiral of a series of bad choices. You know, they I, really I think the answer is going to be, you know, that we're, we're not to judge. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're to do what, what we should, but then that kind of goes back to the way I answered that question. Sometimes we don't know what to do, and we may be enabling the bad habit or the addiction or, yeah. or, or something like that. So I, I guess I'm just thinking out loud and wondering out loud, you know, mm-hmm. this story about the Good Samaritan was about somebody who did not do anything to bring on their own, their own yeah. ownership. Yeah. Makes me think of a, a situation where years and years ago when our children were little, Meg and I helped a man who'd just gotten out of prison and we had him in our home and we fed him meals. We studied together. We, extended our friendship to him, but we were very guarded and careful, and I'll tell you why, and you're going to go, <gasps> he was a pedophile. He did prison time for a pedophile, and we had young children in our home, so we were very careful, but yet he was a member of the church. He had become a Christian while in prison and was now looking for a church home, and so we helped him acclimate back into the world and gave him safe harbor and a place where he felt loved and secure. And and so, whew, that's a tough tightrope, you know. You have to be guarded, you have to be careful, but you also have to say this is a brother that God loves, and he deserves mercy and a new beginning. So, yeah, you, you, have, you have to be really careful in those situations where a person made some bad decisions. And Darlene. I, when I'm out, if especially in the hot summer, when it's 90-some degrees, 100 degrees, 
I see somebody standing like at the end of Walmart or I see the guy with a dog. It's not unusual for me to go back into Walmart, get a couple of Gatorades, take it out. Um, the people that work at that Goodwill thing, they're working in a hot, hot thing all the time. I, I, I do that then too. So Good. you can do little things. Little things, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, you know, it may not, they don't know who I am, but I'll tell them, they'll say, well, thank you. And I say, well, God bless you. I said, this is from God. <laughs> so, you know, you can do little things. Amen, yeah. Well, I, I hope we have some things to think about, and I'm not in any way wanting to put people on a guilt trip. I just think we need to, we need to be challenged to think about, are we too busy like person one or person two in the story? Or are we more compassionate like the cab driver who really got involved, where it was messy? And I'll never forget where he reached back and touched the man's head, and he brought his hand around, and it was covered in blood. He got dirty. He came in contact with somebody else's blood. I mean, yeah, those are some risks that you take when you minister help to people who are hurting. But that is what we are called to do in the church. So thanks for your time tonight and for those that read and hope you'll pray about your involvement in being a good Samaritan. What's on? 572 is our invitation song, Oh, Why Not Tonight? We always extend an invitation every time we come together. There may be someone who needs to respond, either requesting prayer, maybe there's a sin situation in your life, maybe there's a a relationship where you've gotten cross with somebody and you need to ask for prayers or repentance. Um, Whatever we can do, we always want to extend that invitation. We, We invite people not because we're all perfect and you're messed up. We invite people because we're all messed up. We're trying to help each other in our messed up state, and we're thankful for God's grace and his love and for the blood of Jesus. And so we invite you to come. If you have a unique need, uh, Howard's going to lead us, number 572. we have somebody to do prayer? Dennis, okay. 572, let's stand and sing together. Oh, do not let the word depart And close thine eyes against the light Poor sinner, harden not thy heart. Be saved, oh, tonight. Oh, why not tonight? Oh, why not tonight? Will thou be saved? Then why not tonight? Tomorrow some may never rise To bless thy long deluded sight This is the time, oh then be wise Be saved, oh tonight Oh why not tonight Oh why not tonight Tonight, 
our blessed Lord refuses none. Who would to him their souls unite? Believe, obey, the work is done. Be saved, oh, tonight. Oh, why not tonight? Oh, why not tonight? Will thou be saved? Then why not tonight? Be seated, please. Thank you, Howard. We understand that Larry Key is scheduled to have knee surgery. That'll be January 6th. And I also wanted to mention that Jack Birch, this is Meg's dad, has been having some uh, dizzy spells and sort of passing out there in North Alabama. So they did take him to the hospital in Birmingham. It turns out that he needs a pacemaker, which he should be receiving on Monday. Meg is down there now and should be there for about a week to take care of her mom and dad. So just remember Jack Birch, if you would, who's going to have a pacemaker put in Monday. We extend our sympathy to Jason Head and his family. His stepmother passed away, Donna Head. The, the funeral visitation is tomorrow at Robertson County Funeral Home at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Then the funeral will be 1 p.m., at the funeral home, so just remember Jason and his family. We're going to have a meal for the Head family tomorrow at the church after the service, and um, the food needs to be here no later than 3, so keep that family in prayer. We have a men's business meeting this coming Sunday at 4 p.m. Our Meals on Wheels is coming up this weekend, and we're preparing food for 10 people. You can see Christy. And uh, need to bring that food Sunday morning, and then it'll be delivered after service. Youth and Senior Supper will be Wednesday, January 11. That'll be at 6 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. We're having soup. There is a sign-up list on the youth board in the foyer. Sign-up list for host for our youth activities in 2023 on the bulletin board as well. Area-wide's coming up. It'll be at Cooperstown, January 15. At the Church of Christ, 5 o'clock, the bus will leave at 4.30. If you want to ride to the Devo, you can see Ryan for more information. Harry Wide Youth Devo at Cooperstown. Travis Gupton is married. Uh, his new wife, Christine, uh, their wedding was October 8th. So we want to celebrate that marriage and, and give them a gift card shower. And um, there's a gift table right there in the foyer. I can see it right back there. We need your gifts on the table by the 22nd of January. Any other announcements or updates on the sick? Yes, Joanne. Thank you. Is the building will be open as early as 7, all right, for drop-off. Okay, any other announcements, update on the sick? Anyone? All right, Dennis will be leading in a prayer and uh, to dismiss us. What's our count tonight? 92, all right. Very good. Well, bless, have a blessed evening and be safe, and um, we'll be dismissed. Dennis? Let us bow. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we humbly bow before you this evening in prayer. We've come, Father, to 
praise and honor you, and we've come to remember the suffering that our Lord did for the remission of our sins. We've come to pray for the forgiveness of our sins. Oftentimes we fail you. We strive hard daily to be faithful, but we still fail. And we just pray for your forgiveness and pray that you'd be with us and help us to forgive and strengthen one another. And Father, we have some people to pray for tonight. We pray for Jack Birch and his upcoming pacemaker operation. We pray that he'll be successful and he can soon be back with his family. We pray for Larry Keeg and his uh, knee surgery. We also pray that it will be successful. We have so many on our prayer list, Father, and we just ask for your healing hand on them. Some of them are yours. Some of them are not. We pray for our brothers and sisters so they can be back with us in worship. We pray for those that are not, that they might have other opportunities to obey the gospel. And Father, the lesson we've learned about the Good Samaritan we all need. We know, Father, it's our responsibility to care for those in need. We just pray that you'd help all of us to be able to discern those that are in need and those that aren't. And help us always be willing to give of our means. We're thankful that you're a loving and merciful God and bless us with all our needs each day and help us always be willing to to give them to those who are in more need than we. We also want to remember Bill Young that you'd continue to bless him and uh, continue to bless Terry Boker in his illness. And we want to pray, Father, for Roger Dale Holt that you'd be with him and Bless him with healing so he can be back home. And pray, uh, Father, that you'd be with us all and help us always look to you for the guidance and strength that we need. And, Father, be with us as we depart and watch over us and protect us and help us always to make plans to be back at the next appointed time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.